0: The goal is is for leaders to influence folks in a positive manner, influence them for good. You know, sometimes that looks different for other folks whether it's leader an influencer in a business, an influencer at a church, uh, or, you know, influence on a podcast.
1: Welcome back to another episode of the Leadership Download podcast. On today's podcast, we have special guest Brian Reeve. Brian Reeve is a small business owner owner of Upstream Benefits out of North Carolina and Travis and Brian are really going to have a candid conversation on leadership and I've gotten to know Brian too over the last couple years and really awesome great man of god and great leader with some very awesome insights so I really hope you're able to get some nuggets on leadership and really hope that this interview will add value to your leadership wherever you're at in that journey. Um, before we go into the podcast episode, just wanted to let you know TC Advisory Group is a new organization or new company that Travis and I started that focuses on providing leadership development, training, and coaching at all levels of the organization. Uh, so we're, we're so honored to have started this organization and be supported by really all our listeners that have encouraged us to move in this direction. We have some great offerings out there. Um, You can check out our website, tcadvisorygroup.com. Again, it's tcadvisorygroup.com. We have some awesome offerings up there. We just launched a new manager course uh, if you're interested in that or if you know uh, of a new leader. And uh, if you just want to get to know us more, Uh, you can send us an email at info at tcadvisorygroup.com. Also, we would love to hear your feedback on all our content we're putting out there. Uh, You can give us a rating on the platform that you're listening to, or feel free to send us, you know, what resonated with you at our email, info at tcadvisorygroup.com. Also, if you haven't checked out our latest, our new podcast spinoff that we launched a couple months ago, the Executive Leadership Podcast, uh, feel free to check that out. That's more focused on higher level leadership content for the aspiring executive leader or if you're in a senior leadership or executive role. So here we go with a Brian Reeve and Travis talking about a candid conversation on leadership. So I really hope you enjoy this podcast episode.
2: Well, I got Brian Reeve here with me today. Brian, thanks for joining me. Yeah, man. So we've been friends for many years now and uh we we're we're always uh talking about the subject of leadership and faith and all of those things so uh exciting to finally get together and do some recording but uh yeah, before we get started, give us a little background on who you are you know what brought you to where you are now uh give us a little context
0: uh sure i'm a uh I probably think of myself as a Christian first a follower of christ uh i'm a i'm a father i'm a husband, i'm a friend i'm a follower um, I also run a small business uh with a handful of employees um i um i mix it all together and uh you know try to live a quality life for christ um and so which is a journey every day yeah absolutely absolutely so we're talking about this idea
2: of, of, of kind of focusing on leadership so my first question would be when did you realize that you were called to be a leader?
1: Hmm,
0: I think probably eleven to twelve years ago when I uh, began my new business, or or my business was new at the time. But began my business as well as was my wife was pregnant with our uh, our only child, and so um, all of that kind of combined into. Uh, the fact that I, um, I didn't think of myself as a leader, but I, I knew that I needed to lead at least myself, and uh, I, I probably should be leading my family as well when we get to that point, and so that would probably be my first kind of jump into that. I, I didn't think much of myself as a leader before that. Uh, I certainly thought people should follow me, but I wasn't worthy of anything following me or anyone following me. Well, that kind of leads us to, you know, that,
2: that first question of, of what, how do you define leadership? You know, everybody has their own definition of how they see, see leadership, and I'm always interested to see uh, how people view it. So how do you view uh, the def- or define leadership?
0: Well, certainly my definition of leadership and uh, how my leadership has evolved uh, over time has absolutely kind of changed, but I would... Probably stand on my Marine Corps kind of honor, courage, and commitment, um, you know, is what kind of defines a leadership. Ultimately, I think uh, a leader is someone who wants to influence others. Um, The goal is is for leaders to influence folks in a positive manner, influence them for good. You know, sometimes that looks different for other folks, whether it's leader, an influencer in a business, an influencer at a church, uh, or, you know, influence on a podcast.
2: Yeah, what's some of the, what are some of those traits that you really look for when you're trying to find someone to lead, or you're looking for someone to the mentor? What traits are you really looking for for effective leadership?
0: So, I certainly want someone who's grounded, someone who who has an anchor to something other than themselves. Right? We we live in a world and a culture where truth uh, seems to be movable, uh, so someone has to have an anchor in something. Uh, that is immovable. Um, my opinion that that's Christ, and so so this honor that you have to honor the truth and honor God, or uh, perhaps you know when I was in the Marine Corps, it was about honoring the Marine Corps, or honoring your family, or honoring yourself, or promises that you make. Um, I think courage, uh, courage really is is pretty simple in my mind, uh, the the kind of the courage to do what others can't or won't. Um, you know, leaders have to make tough choices, and sometimes they do those things alone, which takes a significant amount of courage. Um, and then I think commitment. Um, it, you could almost uh, not be the greatest leader in the world, but be committed, and I think that goes a tremendous uh, way. And so, because I, I told my wife I wanted to write a book one, one time or sometime in the future, they just call it like 10 Days. Uh, because everything seems to not last past 10 days, right? Mm -hmm. So if if someone can just be committed to stay the course, um, that goes a a long way for for other folks looking to that person. So honor, courage, and commitment, I think, are are key traits. There's a a million other ones, but those would be the ones that I'd probably hone in on. You know, you've mentioned
2: that you you spent time in the Marine Corps. You've built a business, and we've talked about that extensively just in our in our our friendship, and uh, obviously that comes with lots of failures. That comes with lots of, uh, of challenges, and probably uh, things you look back and shake your head on probably boneheaded decisions that were made early on. That you're just like, how did I how did I get here? But uh, can you tell us about a significant challenge or failure you've experienced in your life or career, and how did you handle it, and what did you learn from it?
0: Probably the, the, the most significant one that comes to mind was when I first started my business. Um, my business is, is Upstream Benefits. Uh, we help small companies start and manage employee benefits. Uh, it's not a very sexy business. It's insurance, um, but uh, it, it's the one that God's given me. But I think starting Upstream was happening at a time where I was um, learning about Christ, Uh, he was opening my eyes, my wife was pregnant, Um, job transition, I was going from a full-time stable teaching position to I'm going to start my own business, and so um, it it pretty much failed before it got started. Um, I did not uh, anticipate the difficulty. I didn't think through before I took the leap, uh, and it, it just, it didn't even begin. Um, I was just having, uh, or experiencing so many things at that time. It, you know, it, it, it was, the thought process going into it was, everyone else is the problem except me. And up until this point, every manager, every boss, every person that ever was in charge of me and anything I ever did, it was always their fault. They were always wrong. They were the problem. It was never me. So naturally, I figured, well, you know, since I'm all that, I can start my own business. Everything will be great um, because I'm not the problem. If I could just manage and lead, it will be great. Hmm. Well, I realized that um, all those times that I thought everybody else was the problem, there was a pattern, and that pattern was me. I was certainly the problem. And so I had to realize that I wasn't all that I thought I was. I I had to understand that um, if this business was going to move forward, if I was going to move forward, if I was going to uh, be the person that my wife thought I was going to be or could be, that I needed to make some significant changes. And I think what I learned was um, from that kind of failure was that I can't continue to do the same things over and over and over and expect a different result. I have to be a different person. Um, And I just kind of chipped away at it with small things. Uh, I was an introvert trying to sell, so instead of trying to sell, I just focused on building relationships. And if there was an opportunity to sell something in the building of the relationship, great. If not, I made a new friend um, kind of focus. But just realizing that I was the issue, I was the problem, um, was tremendously helpful for me to then begin.
2: Mm.
0: So obviously as a business leader, you
2: are also challenged with this, uh, with the, this, this task of making decisions. And I think this is something that a lot of leaders struggle with early on and, and some may never fully, you know, become comfortable in making decisions, especially tough decisions. You know, as a, as a leader, you've probably had to make many decisions that were not just financial impact to you, but to to the people around you, you know, you've navigated COVID, you've navigated uh, changes in the insurance, insurance world as far as policy and, and how things are done. All those are decisions that affect you directly and affects your bottom line, affects your people. What factors do you consider when you're trying to make a decisions? What process do you, can you kind of, do you filter your decisions through uh, when you have those tough decisions to make?
0: Well, certainly, I mean, you mentioned all of the, the ones, you know, COVID certainly was ridiculously difficult, um, you know, um, many tough decisions along the way, uh, but I think, you know, you have to be patient, you have to be patient with yourself, you have to be patient with others, um, you know, you you have to make the difficult decisions which are never Popular or mostly not popular, and they're certainly not easy. But you gotta do them. Avoiding those tough decisions and, and those things uh, just causes a tremendous amount of problems. But I think I think being patient, understanding others' perspectives, um, you know, um, making sure that you remain true and honorable to to the commitment that you've made, um, thinking through. Uh, the process. What what will this affect? Who will this affect? Um, but you just can't shy away from it. And you can you can wait and be patient, but you can't wait and be patient forever because it's like a train derailment that's that could possibly take place. Um, that could could end up being way harder or way more involved than you could ever imagine when you could have tried to uh, cut it off at the past. But that's probably one of my Weaknesses is waiting too long uh, to make that decision. It's not because I'm scared or something along that line. It's that I just want to be careful and try to manage the fallout as much as possible. Yeah, um, kind of thing. So,
2: when you talk about making decisions, do you do you have a a go to people that you filter decisions through or kind of bounce? do you have a process of how you like to take these decisions you know um obviously you know me and you've known each other for a while and you're very comfortable with navigating uh difficult decisions and difficulties uh and and moving forward without a a lack of information so you're probably your challenge is is probably more along the lines of you kind of slowing it down enough to say let me make sure i have enough information so have you have you put any stop gaps or kind of uh you know uh buffers in place to make sure that you're not making decisions too rapidly along with also not uh drawing them out too long
0: absolutely i i I call those speed bumps um you know speed bumps can be somewhat annoying when we drive over them but they're there for a purpose they're to slow us down to uh, help us understand that this this situation needs caution um You know, and and I implement speed bumps in my decision making process or or practically with clients sometimes, Uh, but my first speed bump is probably to not blurt out or jump uh, or to speak quickly on what I'm initially thinking. I want to make sure that what I'm thinking um, is going to line up with the right decision. Sometimes it does, uh, maybe more often it does. Um, but sometimes speaking too quickly and jumping to that decision too quickly um, is a significant failure. Uh, So certainly tempering what I say, slowing down what I say, uh, I usually typically run things by uh, my wife, uh, you, uh, others. Um, Sometimes it's not in the form of, hey, should I do this? Mm -hmm. Uh, It's I'm just talking about the scenario and pulling advice it's almost, uh, I go back to my uh, limited use of my college degree with political science, right? Because I never want to bias the, the data that I receive. So sometimes I try to uh, put it in a way to where I can get an answer uh, without necessarily trying to influence your decision. Because if I if I ask you, Travis, right, you know, should I do this? But I temper it with, this is why I think I should do it. You're a friend and you're probably going to be leaning mm-hmm. towards you know, I, I want to support Brian, but if I can put it in a way that now I can get an unbiased answer from you, uh, which I expect to get from you all the time. But it, I so speed bumps, talking to people, uh, slowing down, uh, using prior information. I try to focus on what I know, what I don't know. Um, we focus so much energy on what we don't know. Uh, well, we don't know it, and so yeah. we focus on what we do know. And, and base our information on that and, so, and move forward. And sometimes we need to adjust or pivot.
2: Yeah, kind of switching gears, you know, you, you've had a pretty long leadership career at this point, you know, you, you came out of the Marine Corps, became a teacher, you, you've, you've had a couple of career fields, uh, but how has your leadership style evolved throughout all, you know, all, all, all this time? And where has you, where have you, maybe you seen like your approach or your techniques change where you've, have you, have you had very evident moments where you're like, man, I, I was not effective in this 10, 15 years ago, but now I've made the proper changes and I'm just a radically different person.
0: Yeah. I mean, there's been many, many pivots and changes and evolutions, um, you know, some are so small that it's hard to remember, and some are so significant uh, that you, you'll just never forget them. But I think overall, my patience uh, with others and patience with myself is probably the, the most uh, prominent evolution that I've seen. Uh, you know, we want to we want things to happen quickly right nobody wants to wait around uh, we, we want things to happen at a at a significant pace uh, you know we want it now that's our culture mm-hmm. but uh, it just doesn't happen that way people don't always move at the pace you want them to things don't happen at the pace you want them to so you have to remain patient because rushing is is going to probably have a significant effect on that leadership decision now someone approaches you in a situation with a knife, you probably need to make some quick decisions, Mm -hmm. but that is not normative in our life. Um, Understanding others' perspectives. I have had a very uh, limited perspective, my own, most of my life, and so as I have grown and matured, I have understood uh, more fully that the perspective of others around me uh, must be considered. Sometimes those perspectives may be very different, but it doesn't necessarily make them bad, uh, but it's got to be considered. Um, you know i'm I'm looking for the weaknesses that I have. How can I balance that with the people on my team? Um, I'm underst- I want to understand their personality. One of the things that you and I've done over the last several months is diving into personalities and the disk assessment and and just all of those wonderful tools that you've got at your disposal. But it, it helps me understand my people, how they think, how they move, how they process. And so that all plays a role in understanding those per perspectives. Um, and I'm always looking for feedback. I'm giving myself feedback. I'm looking for feedback from others. Um, and you know, you, you have to stay connected to your team, you have to stay grounded, um, you have to sometimes get in the trench with them. Um, you know, sometimes you. I love that, uh, that quote from uh, We Were Soldiers, Mel Gibson, uh, you know, true story about those guys that, uh, the first airborne troops to go into Vietnam. Mm. And he's telling everybody, you know, unfortunately not everyone's gonna make it home, but I can promise you this, I'll be the first one on the battlefield and I'll be the last one off. And so that mentality definitely is something that I wanna uh, use to my advantage as I grow and mature as a leader. Um, and I develop. Yeah, that's
2: so good. You know, as you just kind of talk about people you're talking about leading your team, um, that brings up another, uh, very important, uh, topic of facing resistance, you know, as leaders, as, as, uh, people who are responsible for, for others, you will find a time. If it hasn't happened in your leadership career yet, it's probably because you have not been in leadership long enough. There will come a time when you will face uh, significant resistance or pushback, but yet you have to still make the decision that's being made, and you have to defend the decision that's being made. How do you handle that? And how what what have you learned over the years of, of navigating, uh, you know, having
0: to lead through resistance? You know, Travis, you're a husband, you're a dad, you're a leader yourself, and so I was sitting here thinking about that as you asked that question, and and I have resistance certainly from people on my team, but the most resistance that I receive or have received are from my family, mm. um, and it's not because they're difficult and they're hard to work with, and you know, it's it's none of that. It's that. You know, it's kind of that uh, a prophet is without honor in his own hometown kind of scenario, um, and rightfully so in some cases. You know, for example, um, I have faced a significant amount of resistance from my wife over the years, uh, and like I said, not because she's difficult, uh, but it's um, it was rightfully placed. I wanted her to trust me as a leader and let me guide her or guide our family, but. I didn't have that trust. Hmm. It was, I. you just need to do it uh, because I'm worthy, but I didn't go through the process of building trust. It was more of a force versus a trust. Um, you know, a good example is when I began my business, it was failing. And so, of course, when you're failing, you, you're you like the ship and, or a crab in a bucket. I'm trying to get out, but I just need to bring others down with me. And so I told my wife, I, I kind of gave her an ultimatum. It makes me cringe now to think about it, but my ultimatum was, you know, Hey, um, I can't be successful in this business. If you are not with me, Mm -hmm. you, you need to quit your business or, or the company she was working for (laughs) and come over (laughs) here and, and, and do this with me. And she rightfully so looked at me as if I was nuts because I'm just, Barking commands and, and grasping for anything that I can and uh, assuming that somehow, you know, I'm not the problem again. If she can come, what'll we'll, be better? She's the problem. Mm. Well, uh, I quickly realized how ignorant that was and I was the problem. And then um, it, it was more of a, if you would like to, I would like for you to, but I understand. And she did, uh, you know, a year later. Uh, but it, I had to earn trust compared to, you know, when, when I discipline or try to give wisdom to my son, Colin, I try to explain my decisions. I try to help him understand where I'm coming from and, and where I think he's coming from. And, and we, we try to make a decision together or I try to influence him in a way um, that makes sense versus force. Sometimes the Emmy's a kid, you know, sometimes mm-hmm. as parents, we got to do a little force. But, um, so I think earning that trust, um, and, being patient, uh, is how you, how, how I've kind of learned, uh, through those very difficult, uh, situations or folks that are giving pushback.
2: Absolutely. You know, so one of the big questions that, uh, that, that often get asked when I'm interacting, especially with business owners and, being that I'm just now really stepping into that space myself of being self-employed, uh, it it becomes a major challenge of how do you balance the needs of the organization or your business and your personal life, your personal goals, which you're trying to accomplish, uh, with your family. And and, uh, Brian, I'll say up front, you're someone I admire who I believe does that pretty well. Um, you know, obviously you've had some, you've had some, uh, things you've had to work out throughout throughout the years of your business to get to where you are. But when you talk about like that work-life balance, if there is such a thing in today's world, what are some of the things that you think about when it comes to balancing what you call, you know, your upstream benefits, your business, and being a parent, being a husband uh, to your family?
0: So when shortly after we started our business, where I started... Uh, I had no no mission, no objective, no goals, no business plan. I did the exact opposite of what every uh, professional that wrote a book said to do. Um, and because uh, that's that's just my personality. Like you said early on, you know I got five percent of the information it's time to go. Mm-hmm. Um, but one of the things that I certainly have said over the years that i I don't say any longer is you know it's it's business versus personal or personal versus business. I, I can't separate them um, I tried to separate uh, my business from my life and my church and but I just can't uh, it's all personal to me uh, every every ounce of it now I do have to to balance the load of of what gets my time or my my energy or uh, my money or you know my resources um, and certainly there has to be some type of balance and there is but uh, I, I don't necessarily put it all in categories. I just uh, kind of look at it as a whole. Uh, we developed a mission, st- a mission statement shortly after, um, you know, starting the business. But it's uh, to be good stewards of all that's entrusted to us. And so that mission statement uh, is, is on the wall at my house. Uh, it's on the wall uh, at our office, um, you know, because it applies to everything. Uh, so God has given me upstream And he's given me a wonderful wife and a wonderful son. He's given me a tremendous amount of things well above what I deserve. Um, And so I have to steward that well. Mm. And so I have to figure out where I need to steward correctly. Uh, Does upstream get 40 hours, 30 hours, 20 hours, no hours? Uh, You know, what does the church get? Uh, as a, as I lead at church as an elder, you know what does my family get? I mean, family's always going to be the most important. Um, that that is our highest responsibility as fathers, as husbands. Uh, so that's always going to get my lion's share. But I balance it. I, I try not to let one uh, of the entities feel the weight of the other. Um, so, for example. Uh, you know, when my son just practically speaking, when my son comes home from school, that usually happens around three thirty or four, I try to be done uh, oh. with upstream. He doesn't know, you know, he sees me working at the computer. he he doesn't know whether I'm uh, playing on the internet or right? <laughs> or, the same problem
2: <laughs> or working. Yeah, he has no concept,
0: but he just knows that my time is somewhere else and not on him. So I try to do things when he is absent. That require a tremendous amount of focus for business, Um, and it's the same thing for my wife. You know, when when we're together, we try to be present. Uh, We try to balance those things. We try not to impinge uh, on on the time as a whole. So we do have separation, but ultimately speaking, um, there's no trade-offs. It's it's all personal. Um, You know, it it's about doing what I'm supposed to be doing, and it doesn't matter whether I'm at Upstream, or at church, or I'm at this table talking with you, Mm. right? I have the same responsibility to steward well of what I'm entrusted. Mm.
2: You know, just to kind of piggyback on that real quick, you know, one of the things that I've spoke, I speak to a lot of people who transitioned during COVID from working in an office setting to now working at home, and. And one of the trends that's actually, we're actually seeing, especially here in the United States, is that you would think working from home would give you a better work-life balance, but in a lot of cases, it's actually done the opposite. Because the the office is in your home, it, It's it's easier for people to go back to working or working longer or extending that time or after dinner, going back into the office and continuing to work more where that used to be shut down at 5 o'clock or whenever your office hours were over. How have you managed that to make sure? I know you mentioned when Colin comes home, you want it to be done. But what are some things you've had to do to adjust to that lifestyle? Because as the leader of the business, I imagine there are times of temptation to want to go back into the office and answer an email or get something done. Uh, but to make sure that you are keeping those boundaries, those, those guardrails up when it comes to your time.
0: Yeah, I mean, so when I first started, uh, we worked at, we worked in our homes. Uh, actually, Melanie and I had an office together, which I would never suggest <laughs> doing uh, again. And so I'm very difficult to be an office mate with. And then we moved into an actual office for five years, and then now we're back at home Um, all of our people are working from home. Uh, So some of the things that we've done, obviously, you know, early on it was roll into my office because it was five feet from, you know, my bedroom uh, in pajamas and and kind of rub my eyes and get to work. Well, that didn't work. So now I I have a very strict routine. I I wake up, I read typically, I, I sip coffee, I kind of You know, start the day kind of in quiet and and thinking through what I need to do. Um, But then I get fully dressed. It doesn't matter whether I'm going to stay at home or whether I'm going to a meeting. I get fully dressed as if I was going to the office. Um, I may not put shoes on, but uh, you know, (laughs) I I get fully dressed. And so uh, our team has set days where uh, we connect. Together, uh, we gather around the same table as a team in person once a week. Uh, we have a virtual session that we have hard-coded into our schedule uh, that we do leadership development. You've been in on that many times uh, or where we're just talking about processes. I stay connected to my team all the time, whether it's through chat or uh, you know email or through the phone, but I'm constantly connecting with them um, as if we were in the same office, and um it it's worked really well for us. all the team has adapted. We had someone early on that didn't adapt very well we We unfortunately had to let her go because she just she just couldn't balance that at home versus office but uh everybody on the team now balances it really well and it's it's blended you know i i may um i may eat i call it the lunch room right I go to the kitchen it's the <laughs> lunch room or you know, sometimes I may go do some, some yard chores um, at, s- at specific times. I put it on my calendar. You know, if I'm going to go mow the grass, I put that on my calendar. And so I it's like an appointment. Mm. Um, and so my team jokes at me because I have a bike appointment or, uh, you know, a chiropractor appointment or a mow the grass appointment or a tractor appointment, you know. Or I put lunch with Travis Yeah, lunch with lunch with Travis appointment. But I put it on the calendar as you know, so um, it I'm managing that schedule uh, pretty tightly. So you know, kind of tra- transitioning again, you know, we, we, we the
2: idea of these these questions is just a mentoring kind of conversation on a kind of high level on, on a couple of different topics. Um, I was excited to get to this question because I think you do have a, a lot of wisdom to bring to the subject of transitions. Because uh, obviously, a couple years ago, you as an elder in our church, you helped transition uh, the pa- a pastor in and our pastor out and a pastor in during probably one of the most comp- complex times doing it during the middle of COVID. But one of the questions, one of the challenges that we see. Um, you know, I, I've I've uh, worked with a couple of pastors, been mentored by a couple of pastors, been and just listening to uh, the business world transitions is one of the hardest things to navigate, and it feels like there's there's never enough information, there's never enough people out there who've experienced it or are willing to give wisdom on it. Um, but you know, describe describe that time when you were kind of when you were kind of going through the transition as a church. You know, we were, we were transitioning one pastor out and one pastor in. What are some of the challenges you faced? And what are some of the things that you you think would be helpful for people? With just kind of generally when it comes to transitioning, uh, you know, a new leader into a position?
0: Yes. Yeah, so uh, right before COVID, we, uh, our pastor, our lead pastor came to us. Uh, he said he wanted to step away completely from ministry. Um and and take a just completely different path. He gave us about three weeks uh, lead time, um, and uh, it was abrupt, uh, very abrupt. And so we found, we being uh, a group of five elders, found ourselves looking at ourselves going... um, how are we gonna fix this? How are we gonna keep this going? How do we find another leader? What what does that leader look like? Is you know is it a pastor from our denomination? Is it do we put out just a regular job application? Mm-hmm. You know, I, I'm I am not an ordained pastor, um, and so I, I haven't been through that process with the denominations, and so I, I knew very little about uh, what it would look like to actually get someone back in the pulpit. Um, and so what we did was we kind of divided up. Uh, so uh, two elders uh, decided that they were going to focus on the search and the pursuit of a lead pastor while myself and the other two elders were going to focus primarily on keeping the church moving. Mm-hmm. Um, and so our our <clears throat> excuse me, our focus was to make sure that someone is there to preach on Sundays make sure that uh, it's as normal as humanly possible and really no disruption and then a few months went by everybody was happy we were we were doing well and then covid took place <laughs> and so uh then we had to transition to online and uh you know we, we had to make lots and lots of pivots and you know there was in fact a 2 month stretch where uh, we were doing some things inside the church, some repairs, a handful of things. And we were inside a warehouse um, doing uh, the Sunday sermon and, and worship. Uh, but you couldn't tell because the backdrop was the same. Uh, you know, We weren't manipulating people, but we just had to pivot because of all the different changes. Hmm. And meanwhile, the other team of elders were pursuing uh, to find a lead pastor. And it took a year. Uh, We did that for a year, and we actually grew as a church, as a body during that time, not only because of the experience, but just the numbers, Uh, the numbers grew, Um, and we eventually transitioned back, and uh, back into person. I was outside, and then kind of a hybrid model, and so we navigated all those things as elders, um, you know, not an actual lead pastor uh, at the time, Um, and then... You know, exactly a year later, we hired our our current pastor uh, Keith, uh, who does a wonderful job. I mean, he, he's a, a man of God, and so he is—he's awesome. But it was a year of just transition after transition after transition that would make your head spin. And so, uh, the church got a significant amount of time during that period, uh, which I could do because I, on upstream side. I manage benefits for small companies, and we lost probably 40% of our clients due to closures and COVID-related issues. And so I have lots of time on my hand. Um, I was still crazy nervous, but uh, God allowed me to be able to shift that focus on the church more so than my business because I just I physically had the time. Mm. Yeah, and I'm sure you learned. There's many lessons, I'm
2: sure, that was learned during, during that time because transitions are a very complex thing. You're dealing with di- new people. You're dealing with new, a new way of doing things. Um, so I'm sure we could, we could expand on that more in the future. But as we kind of wrap up here, i got a couple of fun questions I like to ask people um, that, you, that are unplanned. Um, so first question is, dead or alive? Who would you like to have lunch with? (laughs)
0: Um, Well, alive, I'd certainly like to have uh, lunch with Christ. I mean, so that's a given, but I'll I'll be a little bit more uh, colorful perhaps. (laughs) But uh, um, I think um, David, uh, David the Great from Mm. the Bible, uh, King David. um, I I would love to have lunch with that man and ask him a few questions, uh, mainly his how his faith was so strong and so bold as he spoke to God. But I would love to have lunch with with David.
1: Hmm.
2: Interesting. So, and then the next question is, I I, I like to ask this question. This is a John Maxwell question. What is something you've done in your life that you would suggest everybody at least try once?
0: (laughs) Oh, wow. Um, Yeah. That is a tough question. I I would probably say um, leading, right? That may sound kind of weird, but I think try leading because there's so many people. I I encounter so many people who are so scared, uh, who don't think of themselves as a leader, who uh, barely think of themselves as an okay follower. Uh, they 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 don't think they have the capacity or uh you know the ability uh, but I think they would find that uh it, it's not as difficult as they think, and mm-hmm. they're probably squashing everything uh down to a level that just uh, freezes them but just try you know try to try to lead try to lead well uh try to to find that honor courage and commitment and that mooring to a to a foundation that's immovable, uh, but but just try it. And finally, you know, you're you're a leader, and you're you're
2: you're constantly looking to grow. What resources have you found to be helpful, as far as you know, maybe a book, podcast, memoirs, and anything in particular that really mentors, whatever, anything in particular that you've really leaned heavily on for uh, for resources.
0: Yeah, I think learning from others. I mean, I'm always learning from you. I, I learn a tremendous amount from some of the folks in my circle, uh, even when when you guys don't even think that I am. But I'm watching, I'm listening. Um, I, I may be learning from some of the things that all of us have done the incorrect way, uh, but I'm constantly looking at others. Uh, I don't have a, a formal mentor relationship. Um, and. I'm not sure that I, I know we all need one, but I'm pretty sure that I'm getting that across the, you know, five or six different people in my life. And so, obviously, um, God's Word is first and foremost. I mean, everything that I have uh, gained in the wisdom category comes from that. Um, Certainly, uh, reflecting on my weaknesses and and a a smattering of podcasts and teaching uh, from different locations, Um, you know the uh the volume and amount of good stuff that you put out in your blog alone travis is uh is really great and so it's it's not overly complex or hard to digest and so i find that to be really quick snapshots to increase Mm -hmm. and grow and so so from a lot of different places for sure well excellent well as always it's
2: a pleasure to sit down and have a chat with you and uh thank you for your time
1: yeah brother can we Wow, that was an amazing conversation that Travis had with Brian Reeve, and really hope you were able to gather some awesome leadership nuggets from this interview. Um, Really hope you were taking notes part of this interview. Uh, Feel free to go back and re-listen to this amazing, candid conversation. Feel free to check out some of our previous episodes of the Leadership Download Podcast. Uh, We have over 70 episodes now of the podcast, so feel free to go back. We had some awesome special guests this year so far. And um, also, if you want to check out our the executive leadership podcast, if you're looking for a bit higher level leadership content, whether you're an executive leader or senior leader or an aspiring executive leader. Another thing I wanted to mention before we go is uh, check out our new leadership training and development company that, Travis and I launched TC Advisory Group. Uh, We have awesome offerings there, and if we don't have the offerings that you're looking for, you can uh, send us an email and we will help help you out wherever we can, whether it's for yourself or for your team or department. So you can check out more on our website at tcadvisorygroup.com or you can check out our website tcadvisorygroup.com or send us an email at info at tcadvisorygroup.com Again, our email is info at tcadvisorygroup.com and on our website you can also check out our social media platforms that we're on. Uh, We always post some awesome, valuable content to um, add value to your leadership wherever you are at. Um, Thank you so much for tuning in to the Leadership Download Podcast. Feel free to give us a rating, on whichever platform that you're listening to, or if there was a nugget that any feedback that you have, you can send us an email info at tcadvisorygroup.com. Thank you so much again, and uh, we will catch you on the next episode.